to look at him, and Nikolai froze, though there was no light in the room, no way for the figure to see him. He lifted the Glock to eye level, hands shaking. But before he could pull back the firing mechanism, the figure lifted a finger and shook its head, as if to say he wouldn't need that. I'm not here to harm you, Nikolai heard, though not audibly. Put down your weapon. Nikolai set the Glock on the bureau and stared. His heart rate slowed, but he didn't know what to do. Unlock and raise the window? Invite the figure in? In the next instant he was transported outside, still in his pajamas, and now he and the figure, a male, stood in a desolate wasteland. Nikolai tensed at the growls and howls and whines of animals. He pinched himself again. This was real. The figure was draped head to toe in a hooded black robe, his face and hands and feet hidden. Wait here, the man said. I shall return for you in forty days. I cannot survive here. What will I eat? You shall not eat. Where will I stay? There's no shelter. Forty days. Wait, my people. Your people will be informed. And with that, the figure was gone. Nikolai wished the time would speed as it had when he had moved from the bedroom to this place, but it did not. He was aware of every crawling second, the heat of the day, the bone chill of the night. Nikolai had grown accustomed to creature comforts. He was not used to hunger, to fear, to darkness. He might have tried to walk home had he any idea which direction it was. All he saw was nothingness on every side. After several days, Nikolai thought he would go mad. He tried to mark the time by gouging the ground with a stick every sunrise. His hair and beard grew. His pajamas became tattered. He feared he was wasting away. Time and again, he called out for the figure, finally screaming maniacally for hours, I will die of hunger! Nikolai lost all track of time, not sure whether he had missed a day or two or added marks too often. At the end of a month, he lay in a fetal position, his bones protruding, his teeth filmy. He rocked and wept, willing himself to die. Hours and days passed long after he believed the forty days were up, until he despaired of ever being rescued. He slept for long periods, waking, miserable, filthy, trembling, utterly surrendered to his fate. He had had a good run, he told himself. At twenty-four he was already one of the most promising, revered men in the world. He didn't deserve this. Finally, at long last, the robed man reappeared. Nikolai tried to muster the strength to attack, to harangue, but the spirit again lifted a finger and shook his head. Are you the chosen one? the figure said. Nikolai nodded, still believing he was. Look around you. Bread. Nothing but stones, Nikolai rasped, cursing the man. If you are who you say you are, tell these stones to become bread. You mock me, Nikolai said. The spirit did not move or speak. 
All right, Nikolai shouted. Stones become bread. Immediately the rocks all around him became golden brown and steaming. He fell to his knees and lifted one to his nose with both hands. He thrust it to his mouth and began to devour it. I am a god, he said, his mouth full. Are you god, the spirit said. Suddenly Nikolai stood at the top of the temple in Jerusalem, warm bread still in his hand. I am, he said. I am that I am. If you are, throw yourself down and you will be rescued. Shuddering, wasted, standing barefoot in tattered silk, Nikolai felt full of bread and full of himself. He smiled and threw himself off the tower of the temple. Hurtling toward the rocky temple mount, he never once lost faith in himself or the promise of the spirit. Twenty feet from impact, he began to float, landing on his feet like a cat. Suddenly Nikolai and the spirit were at the top of a mountain, barefoot in the snow. The air was frigid and thin, and Nikolai felt his chest heaving, fighting for enough oxygen to keep him alive. From here you can see all the kingdoms of the world. Yes, Nikolai said, I can see them all. They are yours if you but kneel and worship me, your master. Nikolai dropped to his knees before the spirit. My lord and my god, he said. When Nikolai opened his eyes, he was back in his bed. That the experience had been real was borne out by his own stench and filth and ratty garments. He staggered from his bed and noticed a sheet of paper under the door. It was in Viv Ivans's flowing script. Shower, change, and come down, beloved. Barber, manicurist, masseuse, and cook are here and at your service. Chapter One the white Bentley glided beneath the canopy over the veranda of the most expansive estate in Romania. From the two-story foyer, Nikolai Carpathia watched through the draperies as the driver and a security guard stepped quickly from the vehicle. The driver stood next to his door. The guard hurried to the opposite back door, awaiting Carpathia. Both, Nikolai knew, bore compact Uzis beneath their uniforms. The approach of the car had triggered a coded signal inside the house and brought one of the maids hurrying to the door. She slowed, then stopped when she saw Nikolai at the window. I have it, Gabriella, he said without turning. He could see her bowing and retreating in the reflection. He had to admit it was out of character for him to be impatiently waiting for his ride. Commonly, his house staff would have to come find him in his office or the library or wherever. His was the only schedule that mattered. But today Nikolai was eager. He'd enjoyed one full day and night since his ordeal, forty days fasting in a desolate wilderness that should have cost him at least twenty-five pounds. Indeed, when he had found himself back in his bed in his tattered silk pajamas, it seemed he could see every rib, feel every bony protrusion. 
Nikolai had gathered his household and import-export business staff and had them quickly bring him up to speed. Meanwhile, he slowly introduced small meals throughout the day. To his amazement, his body seemed to fill out and strengthen, almost as if he had not endured the fast. By the end of the day, he had felt himself again. It was as if the flesh had returned to his skeleton. If he had never before felt like a man of destiny, Nikolai did this morning. Besides what had always seemed his superhuman mental acuity, after the encounter in the desert, he now believed he had a mission. He had humbled himself, dedicated himself to a being greater than himself, submitted himself to the ultimate spirit guide who promised Nikolai the world in exchange for his devotion. Such a great prize for such a small price. His human counselors had proven inept, naive, weak. Riker Planchette was twice Nikolai's age, and yet he was easily bullied. His ersatz aunt Viv Ivans was immensely helpful and valuable, but too starry-eyed and fawning to take seriously as a counselor. Not that she didn't try. The staff knew she spoke for him and thus respected her. They didn't have to know he barely listened to her. It was neither Planchette nor Ivans who suggested his course of action this day. Rather, it was his own spirit guide. Nikolai was nearly drunk with the privilege of essentially going over the heads of other humans to communicate directly with the spirit world. He had not yet determined, this exercise being barely twenty-four hours old, whether the being he prayed to was the same one who had accompanied him to the wilderness. It didn't matter. He had access to what appeared unlimited.